Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. So we're finishing our series, All Things series, on Philippians, and we're looking at Philippians 4. So Paul preached and Stuart's preached and I've preached in previous weeks and we've all said that this book is a letter written to the Philippian church and the themes of the book run through every chapter. So the first part of chapter 4 talks about not holding grudges, which believe it or not Stuart talked about last week. He talked about not taking offence because offence is taken, not given. And Philippians 4, 2 in the Message Bible says, God doesn't want his children holding grudges, so just let it go. Just do that. Just let it go. You'll be better off letting it go. And then Philippians 4 continues. Philippians 4 is one of my favourite chapters. It continues with that wonderful and incredibly helpful part of it in 4 verses 4 to 8, which talks about choosing to praise and thank God every day. Choosing to pray rather than worry, because we get that choice. And then finally, it tells us to think about what we're thinking about. Four to eight, seriously, we need to live in that every day. Choose to thank God every day. Choose to pray instead of worry. And then think about what we're thinking about. But I'm not preaching about that today because we did a whole series in November called our De-Stress Series, and it was all about that. So we're going to do the, the next part. So I'm going to pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. We need your word, not my words, Lord. And I thank you that your word has power. Lord, and it accomplishes all that you want it to accomplish. And so, God, I humble myself before you today. And I pray, Lord, that we would have hearts to receive what you are saying in Jesus' name. So we're going on from 10, chapter 10, uh, verse 10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at least you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learnt to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learnt the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I have learnt, this is what Paul says, I should say, I am learning... He says, I have learnt the secret of being content in any and every situation. What does that even mean? God wants us to just relax and be happy with whatever is happening in our life. Just go with the flow. Just accept everything. No, it doesn't mean that. Paul tells us in the previous chapter that we are forgetting what lies behind and and we're moving forward with the future, our future is always in front of us, it's not behind us every single time. 
Personally, I'm a what's next person. I don't know about you. Has anyone seen The West Wing? It's a great series. You've got to go to The West Wing. What's next? We've done that. What's next? We've conquered that. What's next? We've finished that. What's next? Occasionally, the Holy Spirit says to me, hello, just take a moment to celebrate. <laughs> take a moment to go, oh, wow, look what, look what has happened. Look what you've achieved, Lord. Because <laughs> I'm always, come on, let's keep going. So I'm in no way saying just settle, never change, stay stuck, stay in a place you should never be and be content there. I'm not saying that contentment means that you don't stretch forward into your future and that you live chained to your past. That's not what this passage is talking about. This passage of Scripture and the Bible more generally talks about contentment not as lacking in motivation to change or, or just settling for second best. No, that's not contentment. Contentment is something a lot more foundational in our lives. And Paul gives us a hint when he follows his statement about having learnt to be content in every situation with verse 13. He says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. The contentment Paul is talking about is found in only one place, in Christ. It's found in him, it's found through him. Happiness, joy, fulfillment comes from a foundational trust, a foundational faith in the God who is living inside him in the God who is living inside me, in the God who is living inside you, who will never let you go no matter what you face, who, who never let Paul go no matter what he faced. And he faced some pretty full-on things. Did you know that? He talks about them in Corinthians. He says, I've been beaten with rods. I've been stoned. And that is people throwing stones at you, not any other kind. He says, I've been shipwrecked. He says, five times I've been given 39 lashes. And there's more. He goes through it all and he says, but I can do all things. See, I've done things that I never thought I could do and so have you. I've borne things that I never thought I could bear and so have you because of him. You don't pioneer a church and a school without fighting some battles, without facing some intimidation when we've had no money and when we've had enough money. On the days that I thought I couldn't get out of bed, and there have been a number, and on the days where I was riding high on success, those things don't mess around Paul is saying, with our contentment. I can be content in whatever circumstance I find myself because my God knows exactly what I need. And he has it. Matthew 6 says, don't be like them. That's the people that don't know Christ. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. 
God knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. It doesn't mean you stop asking. Keep asking and keep on asking. But he knows what you need. Don't worry. We had learned that in Philippians 4 a bit earlier. He's got it. The job. The job situation, the strategy that you need looking into your future, he's got it. That relationship issue that you think, how on earth is that going to work out? He's got it. That business stress, he's got it. That child that has turned all of a sudden crazy. (laughs) It's never happened to any of you, I know. The health issue, the scare. In the context of what I'm talking about today, what this passage in Philippians 4 is saying, and this carries through to so many other passages in the Bible, Matthew 6, 1 Timothy 6, if you look at them, you'll see the same thing. It's all about trusting God to meet our day-to-day needs, our financial needs, our physical needs. God wants to meet your day-to-day needs. He wants to meet your physical needs. He wants to meet your financial needs. Did you know that? You don't need to stress about it. He knows what you need before you ask. The overarching message that we hear from the world is get more. You need more. You need it. Consume more. Have more. It will make you happy. It will bring joy to you. In fact, that is the only way you're going to be content if you, is if you get more. Paul says, I've had a lot and I've had a little. And it really doesn't matter to me because I've learned to be content in whatever situation I have. Contentment is about what's going on in here, not what's happening out there. 1 Timothy 6 says this, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Isn't that beautiful? Paul is writing to Timothy another letter because there were people going around preaching a different message to the message that Paul and Timothy preached and they were pretending to be godly people but their motivation was this, was to get more money. That was their motivation. And Paul says true godliness, not pretending to be godly, but true godliness which is integrity and reverence for God. I'm just making that, just that little, that's my short version. True godliness, integrity and reverence for God, along with being content with what you've got, is where real wealth is found. These people that have that are the richest people in the world, no matter how much money they have. Integrity, reverence for God, and being content with what we've got. There's a lot of things money can't buy. Many. 1 Timothy 6, 9 says, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Wow. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So I want to ask you a question this morning. 
What drives you? What are you looking at for your contentment? Because many things can drive us. Good things and not so good things. Good things, wanting to make a better place. Genuine love and and concern for the well-being of another person. A desire to honour, a desire to, to serve another. Good things, they can drive us. But some not so good things can drive us too. Keeping up with what someone else has. People's opinions of you. Yeah, that's a horrible one to have drive you. It'll tie you up in knots every time. Looking good. Looking successful. Trying to find, desperately searching for happiness or some kind of fulfillment. That scripture says, people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Well, that's a really, really uplifting scripture this morning, isn't it? Plunge them into all sorts of terrible things. You know, I remember, I can't remember how long ago it was. When did the iPhone come out? Many years ago, Zach was in primary school, our youngest. He's 22 at the moment now. And we took him and his mate on a family holiday. I think the two oldest got out of it somehow. Anyway, I've forgiven them, really. We took him and a mate up to Gosford somewhere. And Paul went and got an iPhone. And it was... They were just brand new. And he started showing me what it could do. And seriously, this is the only time I can really remember this happening. (laughs) This envy and jealousy (laughs) came, just came right up from within me. I thought, because you could get on the internet. The internet, you know, you could, you could, I could do all the finances on it, like all this sort of stuff. And I like, I need, I have to, I have to, I have to. And it drove me. You've never had that happen, have you? Not over a phone. Don't worry, it doesn't happen anymore. Throw it away. Always wanting more. Always needing more. What will you sacrifice along the way? Your family? your integrity, your sanity. Money is neither evil or great. It's a resource. It's just a resource. But loving it causes us to get trapped and some even walk away from God. That's what that scripture says. A lack of contentment in our lives can lead to this, this terrible thing called serving money. Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters for you. will either hate one or love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. See, there, there are a number of things that can try to take number one in our lives. People, hobbies, career. It's amazing to me to realize what some people will give their lives to. Just look at the Star Trekkers. Seriously, they give their life to that. 
One of the big, biggest struggles, though seriously, that we can have is in this arena that I'm talking about today. And it's the struggle of who is going to be master in my life. God or money? Who's going to be number one? Who is going to call the shots? Well, God, of course. It's God. As long as he doesn't want to mess with my money. Because it's my money. Is it? Is it really? Everything I have, everything I have is his. Everything I have is because of him. There is nothing that I have that he hasn't given to me. There is nothing that I can do without him. And he, everything I have, he said, I've given it to you to steward. To steward it. David said this, then David the king to Samuel went in and sat before the Lord and he said, Who am I, Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? See, that is me. I, who am I, God, that you have done what you have done? I don't deserve it. We don't deserve anything. But he's given us breath and it's all because of him. Look, I'm a five-star person. The only stars I want to camp under are five. I admit that. I love nice things. But I tell you what, the tithe goes to the storehouse every time. Before it goes anywhere, before the money goes anywhere, 10% goes to the, top, the storehouse. Another 5% just because God is great. And then another 10% to vision builders because we believe in what he's doing. The tithe is not ours, it's his. Actually, if you want to know what we believe in our church, come along next week to Next Steps, make C3 home upstairs in our 9 a.m. service. We'll be talking about all the, all the things we believe in our church. Paul finishes off this chapter in Philippians 4 by thanking the church, the Philippian church, for the gift of money they sent to him. He praised them because they didn't even give from their abundance, they gave from their lack. They didn't even have heaps, but, but they were generous with what they had. Philippians 4, it says, Not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. We never give to get. We give to bless, we give to help, we give because we have been given so much. But here's the thing. Well, you can look at your account and see the account go into debit as the money leaves it. But as we give, this passage of Scripture tells us that a debit is really a credit. Every time we give, there's a credit to our lives. A credit that I don't fully understand, but we just get more with less. We are blessed. We are looked after. And Paul says that our giving is a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Come up, guys. God loves generosity. I was reading an article in Christianity Today um, during the week about the financial health of tithers versus non-tithers. The stats were amazing. Blew me away. 
The Message Bible version says, not that I'm looking for handouts, but I do want you to experience the blessing that issues from generosity. God has no problem with money. And he has no problem with us having things and nice things and living in abundance. He has a problem with money having us. That's it. Verse 19 says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. This same God that takes care of me will supply all of your needs. The context of this verse is that as they gave, God looked after their needs. As we give, God looks after ours. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.